Today on the Rebel Leadership Podcast, we're talking to Mel Nardiello and her powerful story about how through tragedy comes positive personal transformation. Trigger warning. This podcast episode contains information about suicide, which may be upsetting to some of our listeners. So today we're talking about tragedy and through tragedy emerges positive change. So Mel, you are one of our fairly recent new employees. And I just recently learned about a very intense tragedy that you've been through in your life. And you wanted to share that on this podcast in hopes that it helps somebody else trigger their next moment of clarity. Can you first describe for our listeners in whatever layer, level of detail that you wish to share what that tragedy was for you kind of on that day? Sure. Um, what's most interesting to me is the date doesn't matter, but I remember it was a Monday. It was a Monday and my fiance and I had a lovely weekend having fun, relaxing together. Um, and at some point through the day, he stopped returning my texts. And you don't have that sixth sense of, oh, something's directly wrong. You're just like, oh, maybe they're busy, maybe whatever. But it, it stuck out. It's like, oh, you didn't answer my text. And then I leave work and I'm driving home and I always would call him on my way home just for something to do. He hated it, hated that. <laughs> I'm going to see you in five minutes. What are you doing? I'm calling you because I'm driving. And I just, speaker, speaker phone, speaker cars, guys, nothing, nothing illegal. <laughs> but, you know, chat with my dude on my way home and he didn't pick up the phone. And that's when I started to get a little alarmed and he just didn't pick up the phone. And I get home and his truck is parked in the house and I can't find him. He's just not home. And I'm like, okay, well maybe he went out. You try to stay very rational when something irrational happens. Mm -hmm. And you instantly turn into almost like a detective. Okay, your wallet is on your computer chair your amp was on you're playing guitar the dogs are inside there's a beer out though where did you go and then time just passes i finally contact one of his coworkers and his best friends i'm like hey where are you guys what are you doing dude doesn't have his wallet so you don't have money you don't have id where are you and he's like i don't know what you're talking about finally at around 10 o'clock, I took my little lantern. It's very dark where I live. There's no lights. And I went down to our favorite little spot by the river to be like, hey, were you down here? And he was down there. But unfortunately, um, he, he took his own life down there. And that's what I found. I found my favorite person in the world dead under a tree. And at the same time, my mind just like split into what is happening, panic, and then this weird thread of rationality of like, well, don't need to call 911. What's the number for like the local police? Because there is nothing you can do here. And it was the absolute worst day of my life. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's interesting because... 
when you think about every Saturday morning special you've ever seen or anything you've ever read or heard, there is always talk about these signs and I didn't see any signs. I didn't see anything to let me know that was coming. Not a thing. How many years ago was that? That was, that was about three and a half years ago now. It's about three and a half years ago now. So if you rewind from that event, the year leading up to it, describe what your world was like from a professional standpoint. What was your work world like? So that we can kind of compare that to, to your aha moments now and your reflection now three years in. Mm-hmm. Um, so that year before, I was working at a museum, which was very fun. I was the head of their marketing department. And we did a lot of things that Rebel does, but on a lot smaller scale. So I helped with advertising budgets, how we're going to spend it, making the creative content for everything, whether it was the website, whether it was printed materials, and I did all of the PR. I worked with the press to get reporters in to see the show and get it as far as we can go. And any kind of design needed for the museum itself was also under my purview. I was just their head of marketing. I did all the things, but we just didn't do it quite as deep as like an agency would. It was really fun. It was my, my first job after getting out of college, like I did a year of freelance, but I didn't really, it was freelance for a place, but it wasn't like I was employed and this Mm -hmm. is where I was employed. And I was there for a long time. Even at that point, I was there for quite a long time. And, um, I was getting stagnant though. Like, yes, it was fun. It was easy. I knew it was happening, but there was nothing else for me to do. There's nothing else for me to learn. And I certainly wasn't getting, uh, compensated in a way that that matched the time I had spent there or the things that I had brought in and had done. So it was definitely getting to be time to go. It was one of those things that um, my partner was really into being like, it's time, leave this nest. Please do something else. Please go somewhere else. You're not happy here anymore. It's time to do something. And one of the things I had done was like, well, I'm going to go get my master's. And uh, he essentially helped take care of a lot of our household stuff like while I was working full-time and going to school full-time. So it was a very... Supporting you. It was very supportive. It was a very intense year. Hmm. Um, that, that weekend that we had was the first weekend after classes finished. So I was just wrapping up that semester, and I was like, oh, after this week of getting my legs back under me, the next weekend's going to be even better because I'll have nothing to worry about, and we just didn't get that far. So now that, now you kind of are in this class of career changers, right? Because the job that you're doing now is completely different than that last one that you described. Yeah. So what made you, if you think back on the year after, the two years after, the three years after, what did you do personally to reflect on that tragedy and which led you to now? I would say I didn't, you don't even escape it at first. You're just in that tragedy. I was in that tragedy 100% the first two years after. I couldn't, I couldn't get out. I mean, I, I did the things I had to do. I took care of our animals. I paid the bills. I went to work. 
but every spare moment I had outside of those things was just consumed with what happened, why it happened, and when is my person coming home. There are still days where I expect that he will come through that door. Mm-hmm. And it's when it hits me now, it's still just like, oh God. It's palpable. <laughs> it's 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 awful. Um as I started to get through it a little bit more and the fog starts to lift and you start to kind of think a bit beyond your your evening, your tomorrow, your next week. I was starting to realize that one, I couldn't afford to keep doing what I was doing. I literally couldn't afford it. I was slowly eating away at whatever savings I had. Um, We weren't married. There wasn't any life insurance policy. Now I understand why those safety nets are important for people who have families. Get life insurance (laughs) because you Mm -hmm. need time. You need time to be a functional human again. And I started to get to the point where I was like, well, what do you want? Now you're personally, personally, you're not coupled. And even if, even if I was still coupled, like it's still my life. Like, what am I going to do? What, what do I want to do? Where, where do I, if, if, when my story ends, what do I want that book to look like? You know, like when I, when I think about my partner's life as a story and I think about his end, there's no conclusion to come from outside of the very very hard period that he put there but like that afterward there's nothing to say that's helpful so when I thought about myself I was like well you need to do something you're letting time slip through your fingers and what do you see in your future were there any pivot points or major moments that may may have seemed micro throughout your last job that caused you to say wait a second let me switch career paths or let me change the trajectory that I'm on. What's interesting, there are, but also what's interesting is I didn't, when I started talking to Rebel, it wasn't clear what I was going to do. I remember those (laughs) interviews. We were kind of blindsiding you in the interview because we saw something in you that was completely different. I would say opposite Mm -hmm. of what you applied for. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I started, so where I was, there were some moments where I didn't feel like my work was getting recognized. I was constantly put on the back burner because there were very real important things happening at this museum. So, you know, a little bit of shade at them, not a ton, but a little bit of shade. And it got to the (laughs) point where I was getting mad. And one, it was amazing to feel angry again, to, Mm. to feel slighted was very helpful because otherwise it was just a sea of non-emotion. Um, so it was good to be angry, but then I was like, all right, well, you need to get out of here. The time has finally come. You have to move on. You have to find something else. And I've already heard so much about Rebel at that time that I was like, I'm, I'm, that's where I'm going to go. Like, I did not put out another resume to any other place. I just sent one to Rebel. And then I talked to Jen. And then but I, I think there's something Brit. in that story of, you know, when you can feel it, because I too was the same. You know, I did, there wasn't a thing that happened at my last employer, but there was just this sense of it's time. Mm. It's time to stop complaining to my husband at the end of every day, to stop letting this affect my life because there is no work-life balance anymore. It just is one. It is your life. Right. And work and career is a huge part of it. It's a huge part of where we spend our days. So to be in this perpetual state of sadness or anger or whatever those emotions are, 
there comes a point in time where it's like, okay, I am the only writer of my future. Right. I am in charge of my own happiness. And whatever that tragedy is, however heavy, it is up to you to summon the courage to go make that change as uncomfortable as it is. No one else can make that change for you to get out of that life moment and into some some new positive trajectory. So it's so fascinating now me personally reflecting on those moments when I first met <laughs> met you because obviously I had no idea about this this powerful story and tragedy that you've you've been faced with. But there was something in you like I could see a fire and a determination now knowing you so well. Yeah. Um that was hard to ignore. And you remember, you were probably like, why is this woman fighting for me so much? Because I kept saying, Mel is the person. Mel is that operations person who will figure this out. And yes, I know she has no background in finance. She has no background in operations. She has no background in Excel even, right? (laughs) But there's something about you that was like, I will figure this out and I will provide value to, to you as an organization. And there was, it was just this like, Spark that I knew if we took the chance on you based on your background being completely unrelated to what job we were asking you to do mm. that we would get the best version of you you're not there yet I'm not there yet and that's what's interesting I'm I'm really glad you saw that spark um, because it was doused right this tragedy doused me and I had to reemerge as a whole new person because you can't go back you can only go through it and I started to want again, right? You have that want for better. I I was a very ambitious person. You know, I always tried to finish high school as fast as I can, college as fast as I could. Like I thought I was going to get ahead in some way, shape or form for something that I couldn't even articulate. And I just wanted to be the best at what I was going to do. And then life happens. And then that happened. And being able to be a part of this team the fact you guys took that chance and i was able to come in and be like all right now you have to put up or shut up you knew you can do these kinds of things you know just just the culture change the pace and being in a place with a lot of really smart really talented people was enough outside of this other thing i was going to tackle which i was like you're gonna you're gonna do it i guess (laughs) you're gonna figure it out this is what they want you to do sure you know what is how could you not figure this out there's there's stuff there's resources like you're you're gonna do it but i i started to feel that drive to be like no i want something more i want to say this is what i do for a living and be really proud of what i do and know that it's it has an impact and the first few months here were actually very difficult outside of the pandemic just coming to terms with that pace trying to assess what was I actually doing? Was I doing it well enough? Was I working hard enough or fast enough? Or was I, was I going too much in a particular direction? It was a lot I was trying to balance and figure out. And at this point now, which is many months later, you know, I'm still not at one year, but we're getting close. Has it been that long already? Yeah, January. So I started with the new year. Wow. <laughs> we are in October. And... I can't express how refreshing it was to come and just come in a new place because you have to make changes. When you experience something like that, you got to change. You got to change something about 
your routine, about your day, about your places. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was definitely a step in that direction of changing my workspace. But then, oh gosh, there's structure, there's support, there's procedures, there's all these things that let you do your best job. At the end of the day, you have no excuse except for yourself if you can't achieve what you want to here. And I, I'm doing that now. And I'm, I'm, I'm slowly expanding out into other things too, which has been really fun and enlightening. And I feel like that spark, we got a nice little campfire burning right now. Yeah. You know, I think I can be a bonfire, but I'm really grateful to be a little campfire right now and doing what I can do in this role and bringing clear value to this company. And that ignites you more than, than anybody on a leadership, from a leadership standpoint can tell. Like no one would have known the story of how important igniting that fire was to you personally. Oh yeah. And I, part of me wanted to, especially in the beginning too, it was such a change. I was still really, at the beginning of this year, I was still really struggling a bit with it. Um, you know, there are some people here who are very kind. I was able to talk to about it because it's hard. I, at the beginning of this year, I still had a lot of we statements instead of I statements, mm. you know, when you're talking about things. And at this point I'm comfortable, like I don't need to express that one of the dogs that I have didn't belong to me originally. Now they're just my dogs, right? right like, right. And if you can take that and interject that into every aspect of your life or your day, you'll understand what I'm saying. When I'm like, I'm making that transition but at the beginning it was very difficult and there were times when you know we had a couple of conversations about things i would be like allison you don't understand my dude died i'm barely keeping it together and i'm just trying yeah. to work and you can't come to your job and do that <laughs> but no but it's so <laughs> important like the empathy piece of leadership is so important because say i had come down and barked at you and maybe if I have and if I have on a bad day I am so sorry you haven't we're good still. but it's like what what I try to do with you is just what I try to do with everybody which mm-hmm. is there were I want to reflect on some key moments with you mm-hmm. because there were key moments where you did get it wrong you got the work product wrong mm-hmm. right and you didn't rise to the occasion mm-hmm. of the expectation that we had mm-hmm. and so we instead of just saying like all right Mel can't do this let's find somebody else to do it we paused and said, no, let's give Mel that direct feedback. Let's tell her again what we're looking for. Because mm-hmm. maybe now, six months into the job now, it makes more sense re-articulating that expectation. And I remember the phone call that I made to you. And I was like, this is going to be a hard phone call. I'm going to give you some, <laughs> some feedback. Like this cannot happen again for these reasons. Right. But it was direct because I care about you. Right. And I know that you want to do a good job. Right. And so as so long as we have that feeling of you want to do a great job and are willing to do what it takes to do that great job and you're going to rise up to those those expectations, then we can we can proceed forward. But that's on me if I never gave you that opportunity. And mm-hmm. so once once we did and you're like, nope, yep, heard you. I'm not <laughs> going to do it again. I'm going to be attached to Bryn's hip come invoicing cycle. And I can't tell you the joy it brings us like seeing you following following him <laughs> around um, to do that job well because you listened and you yep. internalized that and that was a big moment of feedback for you mm-hmm. um, so that we fast forward again to another little micro moment that happened at an 
a town hall. So there was a company <laughs> meeting. We mm-hmm. meet every Wednesday as a company. And we share good news in the beginning as just like a little culture builder opportunity for everybody to put aside some client work and just take a moment and appreciate one another. And that day, Bryn, um, the owner of the company, he came off mute, which he rarely does in the beginning. (laughs) And he started describing someone he was extremely impressed with that exceeded his expectations. And he gave them an A plus for the work this time around. And he was talking about you and your face watching it was like (laughs) now that I know the story about you I can't even imagine what that moment really was like I couldn't tell you exactly what he said because like knowing that the praise was for me made the blood rush in my ears and I actually couldn't hear it like I was just like oh you did you did it you did the thing and I was just so (laughs) excited I mean it it was incredible it was an incredible moment I can't express because I feel like all all that anxiety and discomfort from the start of the year when I didn't really know what I was doing and was just trying to figure it out along the way as best I could on top of relearning how to be an individual and live my life. Um, to then get that was incredible. Like, it was incredible. I mean, the GIF, the GIF says it all. Yeah, right. Someone <laughs> someone actually recorded an animated GIF of Mel's face at the exact right time. <laughs> receiving that praise from Bryn and it was just such a moment of just pure joy and um, confidence boost and it must have just been such a huge moment that no one understands the magnitude of but you and so if I think about people in positions of authority and people with with um, others in their organization that are reporting up through them the magnitude of saying, good job, you just exceeded my expectations. You did a great job. You, you, met, you met my expectation and you went above and beyond. That, that pause moment to say that means far more to that person than we could ever realize. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I still, I think about it fondly. <laughs> I still, if I'm, <laughs> if I need a little boost, I look at my own GIF and I'm just like, yeah, I remember that. That was great. <laughs> doing a great job. It's fine. <laughs> now I got to keep doing it every month. <laughs> we do this every month. Exactly. Can't go backwards now. No, we're not going backwards. No, I can't go backwards. So what would you say to anybody who is experiencing tragedy and trying to summon the courage to go to work um, at the same time? What would you say to them now having been through it? I don't even know if I have good advice. It sucks. It's going to suck. Every day, it sucks. I When I think about how I felt the first year, the, the second year, it makes me want to cry for myself back then, you know, having to deal with that. I guess the only thing you can do is do whatever it takes to stay strong, whatever it takes to not take a step back. Even if you have to stay in place for a while, just do it. Just do it. The light's going to come. It's going to take a long time and you're going to wish you could fast forward it and you can't, but just stay with it. It's going to come. And then you're going to, you're going to feel again. You're going to feel life again. And you're going to, you're going to figure out what you want. And then you're going to start to start to take steps toward it. If you had to share one of your favorite memories, what was his name? Dan. If you were to share one of your favorite memories of Dan, what would it be? Oh God. There's so many. There's so many. We were together for 
about seven years, maybe a little bit more. We had a lot of fun adventures and a lot of funny memories, but I'll, you know what? I'll, the Friday before he passed, I come home and he's there and he's excited. And he opens the door of my car and he just very like gallantly extends his hand. And I'm just like, what's happening? Take his hand, what's happening? And he leads me down our little path to our favorite spot by the river. And he has two hammocks set up in trees, like tied to trees, old school hammocks, a fire, fire in the, you know, in our little fire pit that we had made. He had bought a tent that he set up and there were two sleeping bags. And he was like, babe, we're going to sleep out by the river tonight. And I was like, cool. (laughs) Okay, cool. And it just looked beautiful because you got to... If anyone's been in the woods, you got to get rid of all the brush. You got to do all this work. And the amount of work that man put into making that space looks so awesome for us to only be able to enjoy it for that weekend. But it was beautiful memory. We did sleep outside. Then we tried to sleep in the hammocks on the next day. Not that great. I was a little <laughs> nervous about bears. I got cold. I abandoned him. I was like, going inside. <laughs> but yeah. He sounds like a wonderful person. He was a very wonderful person. Well, so are you. So Thanks. thank you for being here. Thank you. Sorry, I'm getting choked up. Thank you for sharing your story. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you. I mean, thank I you think so much. it'll go a really long way for everybody to understand what their peers and their coworkers and their friends are going through. Yeah. And we're all in this together. Yeah. I mean, every, I'm sure everyone here has some kind of story about something awful that happened that they had to get through. You know, I don't, I don't try to like hold that space. Um, but yeah, it's, it definitely, I think it does give a little bit of insight to what anyone out there can be going through. We got to have that compassion. We have to have that empathy and try to think about what someone's reaction might be coming from and where they might be coming from. And that's only going to make us better. But thank you for taking that chance at me with that spark because I can't express how amazing it is to be here. If you are thinking about suicide or are worried about a friend or loved one and would like emotional support, please contact the Suicide Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-8255.